bumper music there is from a song in 1995 called This Is How We Do It, which by the way, don't go listen to the song because that's the only clean line in the whole song if you've heard the song. That's about all we could use on it. Um, But uh, our our series of messages um, we're calling This Is How We Do It. And this next series is going to be five weeks and it's going to take us, can you believe this? It's five weeks until Advent, like as we prepare for Christmas. That seems kind of insane, only five weeks away, but we're calling this new series that we're starting today, This Is How We Do It. By the way, 1995 is when that song was written. Um, Can anyone name that was not in the first service, can anyone name that artist? You get a prize if you do. Anybody know? Anybody? Cheat. Use Google. I don't care. Hurry up. You got it. You got it. Right on. Here is a book for you. Woohoo. Oh, and the mic intercepted it. Yeah. This is how we do it, yeah? All right. This is how we do it. This is how we roll in our church family. And so we're going to talk about some of the important practices of a healthy church community. Now, you know, here we talk a lot about, about the church as a family. And so over the next five weeks, we're going to talk about being a family who reaches out to love the people around us. Uh, we're going to talk about being a family who keeps it real by mourning with people who mourn. That's uh, part of what our Novembering service on November 6th is going to be about in a couple weeks. We're going to talk about being a family who practices generosity. Um, We are going to talk about a family who also then presses into gratitude, and that'll set us up for Thanksgiving week. But today, I want to talk about being a family who jumps in to serve like a family, because church is a family. That's where we're going. But first, I want to tell you a quick story. Um, When I was a, a baby, my feet we're actually born crooked, and my Aunt Joni, who was actually my godmother, um, she said to my parents, hey, something's not right here. You know, little Dougie looks like his feet need to be fixed, or he's, you know, I guess they called it club feet. So sure enough, my parents took me to the doctor, and they said Aunt Joni was right. My feet were crooked. It would have been a big problem if they hadn't caught it in time. So they fitted me with these special shoes and a bar. Those are not my little baby legs, by the way, although very cute. Uh, But it looked like that, and the shoes I had kind of bent out opposite direction as a corrective, Um, and it did correct, actually, the problem. My feet were pretty good, although I still, you know, trip from time to time, but that's probably because I'm clumsy, not because of, like, you know, anything else on the deal. Um, But um, if they hadn't, if my aunt hadn't seen that and my parents hadn't taken action, there's no telling what kinds of problems I might have dealt with for my whole life. Um, And that's what happens in families, right? We watch out for each other in families. If something's off track, then we lovingly ask questions and offer help. Some of you are from unhealthy families where people just barge in, right? No, but that's not a healthy family. We lovingly ask questions. We offer to help. And if someone wants help, um, then we help. We, We help each other then to grow and mature And so what I hope that we walk away with this morning is something that will help each one of us grow and mature in our faith and in our understanding of church as a family. 
And by the way, if something is kind of off track in how we see church, um, that maybe this morning there'd be a little shift that would be a corrective and bring us into more of a church as a family mindset instead of some of the other ways that we in our culture tend to see church. And what I want to do is start out by looking at a passage in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4, it's one of the places where the Apostle Paul uses, I say, family language to describe what it looks like for followers of Jesus to mature and to grow up in their faith, in our faith. And so as I read this passage, look for that word mature, mature. Um, So verse 11 is where we're going to start And it says this, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service, interesting, so that the body of Christ, that's us, may be built up until we we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become, there's the word, mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then, verse 14, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. There's a sermon that I would love to preach, but I'm not going to preach that one this morning. Um, On to verse 15. Instead... Speaking the truth in love, again, a whole nother sermon, probably a whole series, right? Speaking the truth in love, because we usually do one more than the other. We don't get it right and do them both together. Speaking the truth in love, we will grow up to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. That is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up. In love, as, catch this, as each part does its work. And that's where we'll stop for today. And there's a lot going on in those verses. And where I originally started going with this message was just unpacking all of these thoughts. But instead, what kept jumping out at me and where we're going today is this idea uh, of, of that in the body of Christ, the, the family of Jesus followers, the church, um, a, a big part of God's goal is to mature us. And the Father uses the family of God to grow us up. Let me say that again. In the body of Christ, the family of God, the church, a big part of God's goal is to mature us. And the Father uses the family of God to grow us up. If you're taking notes, uh, here's a quick summary, another way to say it. Family, family is how God grows you up and matures you. Family is how God grows you up and matures you, which is a big reason that, 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 that I continually emphasize that we need to keep seeing the church and approaching church like a family. But I have to tell you, you know, I just confess to you, that is really hard to do. I mean, I, I think I probably would know better, but like I'm a pastor. I know what the Bible teaches, but sometimes what I believe from the scripture that church is a family and what I know from like my own upbringing that church is a family, um, the problem is there's all this cultural conditioning and even uh, lots of our ministry training 
goes against seeing church as a family. Like you would not believe how many like corporations exist to push churches to run like a business, to try to cater to consumers and offer excellent customer service and, and to help churches kind of use marketing in unhealthy ways that really are competing with other churches so you can win a bigger market share. Um, in fact, one of the large outwardly successful churches that I worked at, it was drilled into us as staff that we need to run the church like a business. Uh, De-emphasize this family thing. We need to run it like a business. Now, I have to admit, there were some positive things that came out from that approach. Um, Systems and structures, there was organized programs, and there were even very cooperative ways that we could fund missions and local outreach. Uh, So that was really good. But there was this big problem with that whole mindset. And the problem is this, is that the church is a family, not a business. It's a family, not a business. And I know that some of us hear this or see that, and we get, you know, it's real easy to get excited about that phrase, the church is a family, and, you know, many of us believe that, and we want that family feel at a church, but I have to tell you, it is way easier said than done. And one of the reasons that it's easier said than done is that our Western culture, and actually our prevailing kind of church culture mindset, just treats church like church is a product for us to consume, um, and listen, I have done it myself. I still catch myself doing that. So we all do it. It's really ingrained in us. But, but here's what happens. If you treat church or faith or family, if you treat church like a consumer, then you will never grow up. You won't mature. I won't mature. Because family, family is how God grows you up and matures you. So with this Ephesians 4 theme of being matured, uh, instead of really a sermon that I would normally do, this morning I want to have kind of a church family talk, a church family talk, and, and talk a little bit about um, why we here at Hope Covenant Church need to remember, first and foremost, that we are a family, not a business. So would you pray with me? Father, this morning, um, would you give us ears to hear um, hearts that desire to um, conform to you and your, your goodness. I pray that anything that I say um, that comes from you, that you would have for us, that that stuff would, would stick by your Holy Spirit and, and the rest of it would just fall off because um, we want what you have for us. So we give our attention and, and our mourning and the rest of this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Okay, so let me tell you something. Uh, about me, um, I like really good customer service. Anybody else like really good customer service? Yeah, I like to go out to restaurants. I love having somebody else cook for me, right? Um, and, and I don't think that I'm super picky at a restaurant, but I really do appreciate great customer service. Um, and so if the service is really good, I appreciate it big time, and I'm going to make sure I give a big tip. We all like to think that we're really big tippers, but let me just tell you, no, I'm just kidding, I'm sorry, maybe. <laughs> now, um, when I do go to a restaurant and there's not good customer service, listen, I don't, I don't, I'm not the ugly American, you know, uh, I, don't, I don't get mad. Um, I don't ask to, you know, speak to the manager. I just don't go back there, you know? Like, like I went somewhere, um, a couple weeks ago, I was supposed to be a quick lunch, just wanted to go in, quick lunch. 
Um, and it took like 10 or 15 minutes for them to bring me some water and a menu. And like, I didn't throw a fit. I'm just not, go- I'm just not going back there, right? Um, or if I go somewhere and I ask for no green onions on my dish because I have an allergic reaction that gives me violent stomach cramps. Don't any of you put that in your chili next week for the cook-off, by the way. Um, or tell me, warn me, right? But, but if I go somewhere and they put green onions on my dish, I don't yell. I don't yell. I'm either going to just pick them off if I can or quietly ask them to fix it for me. But I'm going to remember and I'm probably not going to come back. They, they just don't get my business anymore. So I'm you know, like most Americans, I'm a really good consumer. I, I suppose it's kind of ingrained in us Americans, right? Like, um, you know, consumer, being a good consumer, it's probably in the Bill of Rights, right? Don't you think? Somewhere? Just kidding. It's not. Just kidding, right? But, but, but here's the deal. At a place of business, being a consumer is probably, it's, it's fine. It's fine. It's expected. But w- wouldn't it be a problem Let me just say it this way. It would be a problem if I take that consumer posture and I act that way at home, right? Can you imagine showing up at your home like you are a customer, like a consumer, right? Um, Now, for me, like I have a a godly fear of my wife, so I would never do this, (laughs) But can you imagine if I was going to, you know, come home and I walk in, I sit down at the table and, and I'm just waiting for somebody to show up and serve me like I'm at a restaurant, right? And a little while later, I get upset. Nobody's coming over. How come nobody's checking on me? And, and what's wrong with these people? Don't, don't they know that they are here to meet my needs, right? If I were to do that at my house, in my family, maybe start yelling, hey, isn't somebody going to get me a glass of water? You know, guess what um, Heidi or my son, guess what they would say to me? They'd be like, no, go get your own dang glass of water, right? It's, they're not going to do it. And I'd be like, I cannot believe this nonsense. Getting my own water, this is terrible customer service, right? Um, or, or can you imagine Heidi brings out a, a dish, a meal, but it had green onions somewhere on it. And I'm like, sheesh, come on. Listen, lady, I specifically asked for no green onions. I'm taking my business elsewhere, right? She'd be like, yeah, that's fine, go. Right? Um, <laughs> see, it doesn't work that way. It don't work that way. And why? Because it's not a restaurant. It's a house. Um, I, I, I don't come as a consumer because it's a it's family not a business it's family so how i approach really any of these places as i go matters see at a restaurant it's fine to expect to be waited on i'm a consumer a customer at a restaurant that's not my family but if i treated my family like they were employees at a restaurant whose job it was to serve me and meet my every need like that would be messed up framework wouldn't it so then this leads to A question for us, Um, how do we, as followers of Jesus, approach church? As consumers or as a family? And the point here is, I think it's really crucial to recognize this um, common way that we treat churches in our culture. And I think it's important for for us to try to shift our perspective, especially when it comes to church, from this consumer approach to a family mindset. 
Because it changes so many things. And by the way, I don't think that we mean to do this. I think that we just kind of get tripped up and have a hard time. We get confused about consumerism when it comes to church because that's just where our culture has been, right? And hey, man, listen, I'm not mad. I'm not criticizing. Um, I'm noticing how I do this and have done this. And I think that we can treat church like a, like a, a business that we're coming to consume. Because for a long time, it's just how church has sort of been rolled out to us, especially in our modern culture. And we just get used to it because everybody kind of treats church that way. You know, we, we, we might start thinking, hey, listen, well, I'm an American. I, I deserve and demand a church where all my needs get met. And if I don't like something, or if I can't just kind of float in and get my way, my style, my volume level, then forget it. I'm taking my business elsewhere. If it's a business, well, I get it, right? But how we perceive things determine how we're going to interact and engage. And if I see something wrongly or, or, or improperly, then I might engage or interface with something improperly. Um, said another way, if, if I treat church like I'm a consumer, and I promise you almost all of us do this to one extent or another, but if I do that, if I see the church as a place for me to be a consumer, then I'm going to treat the church like a business. I'm going to treat the church as it's there to meet my needs. And friends, that just will never, ever lead us to the maturity God has for us. That will never lead us to grow up because family, family is how God grows us up and matures us. That's where it happens in families, not in businesses. And again, most of us probably don't realize that, that we do this because um, it's just ingrained. We've been sold these ideas or these imagined rights by, you know, church marketing gimmicks that, well, we just get to, to demand these things. And plus, in our culture, we're just kind of programmed um, because of our consumer-driven culture to just bring that over, to spill over in so many other ways. But if the church is a family, it changes how we will approach it. Right? It's not a club. It's not here to entertain us. It's not here to meet all our demands. If I don't like something at a church, I don't get to grumble or cause dissension or start doing politics with people. Like I don't, I don't have a fit. I don't make a scene or think that somehow would be justified to do that. Because um, a consumer approach doesn't fit in a family context. It's just not how it works in, in any healthy, mature family. Which is, um, by the way, one of the things that I'm so grateful for when it comes to our Hope family. Because while we do have our you know, difficult moments and our church is not perfect and we have stuff to work through from time to time, like at the pastor retreat that I, that I just um, was at with Heidi this week, one of the things I always come away with is I hear just some of the really difficult, toxic churches that some of the other pastors are dealing with. And it's such a refreshing thing for me to go, oh, I'm so glad that the culture we have here is, is different. I mean, we do have difficult things to work through from time to time, because after all, that's part of being a family too, right? Anybody have a perfect family where everything's always fine and you never have to work stuff out? No, nobody, right? Okay. So um, we have that, but we have this beautiful DNA here at Hope. Um, and, and so the vast majority of the time, our 
our church family, it's just one of kindness and grace. And there's not a lot of gossip that we ever have to worry about. There's acceptance. There's this environment where, where people can come as they are and be authentic and vulnerable with whatever is going on in their lives. P- people can actually give us feedback to the staff without threatening that they're going to leave if they don't get their way about something. Um, so there's just so many ways that already that, 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 that we here do approach hope like a, like a family, and I'm so grateful for that. Uh, and it's part of what helps us keep establishing this healthy church culture where we say, hey, this is a family. This is a family. Um, which is why for at least the last two years, you just very intentionally, almost every week, I try to mention that fact that we are a family um, every week. Um, in fact, I remember... So like four years ago, there was a pastor banning Lebsher, and, and, and I heard him talking to his church about being a church family. And one of the cool things he said that I was like, ooh, I want that for us too. He said something like, um, you know, I want us to start thinking of our Sunday morning services, our gatherings, like we think of a family Thanksgiving every week, right? Every week. And I was like, that is awesome. I love that. Um, coming together, it's kind of like a party. I mean, Thanksgiving is Awesome, right? Anybody else that's one of their favorite holidays, top two, three for most, yeah, most of us, right? Um, my side of the family, we always had this big Thanksgiving meal. It was tons of fun. There's all kinds of people. Everybody's jumping in to help. Um, and it wasn't just blood relatives. There were friends and families and people that just have places to go. That's just kind of how we did it, you know? And, and then the great thing about our family is that everybody jumps in to help, right? Somebody's setting up tables. Some people are cooking. Everybody's bringing something food-wise, even if it's the college kid bringing Oreos. You know, it's something, right? Um, it's okay, Dan. You, you can bring Oreos. Yeah. Uh, so... Um, you know, there's people, everybody's doing something. Some people are messing around with the kids. It's just, it's great, right? And at Thanksgiving, um, I have always had a job. Thanksgiving, and somehow it's also become a job at Christmas. I don't know where this supposed, you know, tradition came from, um, but I am the potato peeler. So if I walk in the door, it's like, hey, Doug, glad you're here. Let's see, here's a bag of potatoes. Here's the potato peeler. Have at her, right? That's, that's just my job, right? Every year, I peel potatoes since I was old enough to do it, I have been a part of the potato peeling crew. Anybody else, that's your job? Special, the Lord's favor is on, yes, just us right here. Now, four years ago, I used this illustration, and just a few days later, the greatest invention ever showed up from Amazon in my mailbox, yes. This thing's amazing, this potato peeler, right? Corey and Joanna all hands like shipped me this amazing gift. Check this out here. Let's make. I hope it. I hope it works. Um, watch that, huh? Isn't that amazing? Guess what? I don't need nobody else's help peeling potatoes anymore. I'm like great. I love this thing, right? I'm the potato. Peeler works on apples, you can zest lemons, all kinds of things. But you know what? I don't want to waste it on that. This is my potato peeler, and I loved it. I love this thing, right? So um, I'm like, wow, should I use an illustration with a Corvette? Maybe that'll show up in the, yeah. Now, now think about this. What if I show up at my mom's house, 
And I'm like, hey, listen. <clears throat> All right, mom, listen. I've been in this a long time and I am, I am over 50 years old now. I'm a pastor. I teach the word of God in front of people every week. Other churches invite me to come and preach. I mentor other pastors and you want me to peel potatoes? Like, I'm above that, come on, right? Guess what would happen if my house... If I said something like that, right? They would all bust out laughing like, Doug, you're hilarious. All right, let's see, Doug. Here's a bag of potatoes. Here's the peeler. Have at it, right? As is only right. As is only right. Listen, I don't have a passion for peeling potatoes, although with this device, it's close. But I don't have a passion for peeling potatoes. I wasn't ordained as a potato peeler. No one spoke a prophetic word over my gifts or calling or anointing as a potato peeler. Um, Potatoes are not a passion of mine, but family is. Family is. Like again, I don't have a passion for potatoes, but I do have a passion for family. So whatever I can do to make it the best Thanksgiving ever, and as long as I'm with people who are my family, I'm in. I love it. I will peel potatoes all day if it gets me with my family and creates that kind of family environment. See, when we approach something like a family, it's so different than any other thing that we approach. I mean, when we're doing the family thing, there's just normal, natural things that you do in family that you would never do anywhere else. Like I peel potatoes. It's what I do. It's what I do. See, listen, we pitch in and we serve like a family because it's family. And I just think it would help for us to make sure that we make the shift to this family mindset with church where we just start thinking, you know, hey, you know what? We're coming to worship this morning on Sunday morning. Let's treat it like Thanksgiving. It's family time. So like, how can I help make it awesome? How can I make someone new feel welcome? How can I do something that might help somebody take steps toward following Jesus today? It's like a party. Let's be here with that kind of mindset. See, and that kind of mindset actually um, works out in ways that maybe are some, for some of us a little uncomfortable because it's, it's kind of like the thing for thinking of it as family where we ask people, hey, you know, we need, a little, we need another like eight or nine volunteers to help once a month in our children's ministry. Like some of our volunteers are in there way more than that. They're getting a little worn out. Um, so can, you know, I'd be asking somebody, just imagining here, uh, can you help out once a month? And, and what if somebody's like, uh, you know, I just don't really feel called to children's ministry. Um, and I would, you know, just smile and shrug and say, well, I don't, I don't really know what that has to do with anything, Right. Like, hey, I'm not trying to get on anybody here, but when I hear people say things like, well, I don't have a passion for children, I'm like, well, yeah, okay, all right. That's, that's, that's not what I was asking um, because in a family, it's less about that and it's more about, oh, this is family. These are our kids. Okay, okay. I mean, listen, let me step aside just on that for a second. I do want you to operate from your gifts. I want you to be in your passion. I want you to be thriving. I want you to discover your spiritual gift and do all of the stuff in that realm. And by the way, in just a couple weeks here on November 6th and the following Sunday, right, Pastor Dwayne is going to be doing a class during 
second service, during second service. So come to first and take the class second service. Um, check it out. He's going to be doing a, a discovering your gifts class. Uh, and so sign up for that because we want you to know your gifts. We think that's important. Um, and, but then when it comes to just how we operate as a church family, we want to remember that it is a family. Like, know your gift, but here, when it comes down to family, it's a different thing, because here, in a family, we just jump in and help us do this thing that God gave us to do as a family. Let me pull back to the kids for just a second here. Like, Brittany is our current children's director. She's amazing. Um, She's also doing the office, and so when we find a new children's director, she'll just focus on the office stuff. Um, But we still need uh, a team of folks, and I believe it is eight or nine more people that would just help out one time a month, just to jump in and help one time a month. Um, um, And again, these are our kids. Like we say this here, if you're here and you're single or you're married, whether you have kids at home, in your home, or if you're empty nesters like Heidi and I are, we have to remember that in this church family, these are our kids. These are our kids. In fact, if you've um, been with us for a while when we've done a, a baptism of a child or a, or a child dedication or um, um, one of the things we do in that time when we dedicate that child or baptize that child or baby, we make a commitment as a family to do our part to step up and love and serve and help the spiritual growth of the child and their parents. It's just what we do. It's what we do in a family. We pitch in and we serve like a family because church is a family. Now, there's some beauty um, in all this family talk this morning because Hope Covenant, you guys are already, we are already this beautiful church family. Like if I was to give this same talk at many other churches, it would probably feel really heavy (laughs) Because they'd be like, oh man, right? Um, but here, that's not the case because we are already this beautiful family. And I've seen this in so many different ways. Um, I mean, I even just think about how we're a family. Like if you're still here after the last couple of years, there's a good chance that you are learning to love people like family would. To love and accept people who you don't agree with on everything. You're learning, like good family members would, to demonstrate patience and grace in a world that tries to send this message that when we don't agree with someone, we must divide and insult and build walls between us. But if you're around here, good chance that, that in our family, you're learning, like I'm learning, to love, to respect people with other viewpoints. It's part of being a family. Um, another way I see family surfacing is that so many of you have served and, and given faithfully, and some for a long, long time, and maybe some of you feel like what you do goes unnoticed, but you still show up and you serve and you give and you keep doing your part to pitch in and, and help this Hope family be a place where anyone can find and follow Jesus because you know that it matters, that this family matters. And I want to say thank you to you. Um, you know, I've just been impressed over the years of seeing how this Hope family just steps up and rises up and takes responsibility for our church, especially when we go through really difficult times and difficult losses and difficult transitions You guys are amazing. See, this family here, um, honestly, I've been to so many churches. I've worked at a number of churches. I have never before um, 
five years ago when I came here and still today, never before had, had Heidi or I ever been in such a church that had this acceptance and encouragement and welcome and support. Never before have we seen such a dedicated group of people who serve like I've seen here at Hope. See, this is and has been an impressive family long before we arrived. And so I'm so grateful because I get to benefit from this, right? Family is how God grows us up and matures us. And I, for one, I love this Hope family. And I'm thankful that God is using this family to grow me up and to mature me. And I hope that you're finding that for you as well. Listen, I I hope that you know, today's family talk helps just helped us to remind us to maybe pull our attention away from that consumerism thing that's so ingrained in us and so easy to go to and, and helps us to remember that we want to approach church like a family, not like a consumer, because that will help deepen and enrich all of us when we gather. It helps deepen and enrich the ways that we serve because when we pitch in and serve like a family, um, It just makes sense because church is a family. All right, before we wrap up, I wanna wanna recap the three kind of big ideas from the family talk here um, and and then some practical application and then point us back to Jesus. So here's the recap, the three big ideas. Number one, we started talking out about, uh, started talking about maturity and that family, family is how God grows you up and matures you. And then two, we talked about how a consumer approach doesn't fit uh, in a family context. And number three, I talked about how we pitch in and serve like a family because church is a family. And by the way, I just have to say that one of the best ways to get connected uh, is by serving together. I mean, really, serving in small groups, those are the two best ways to get connected and start building that sense of family. Um, So that's the summarize, right? And here's some practical application. Um, And then we'll point us to Jesus to close here. But here's the practical, very practical application. Um, In in fact, I think we just, I I need to let you know that there are some ways that we really could use some help in the Hope family. Lots of folks have asked, hey, how can we help and pitch in and serve? And, And some of those things are being covered and have happened already. We're very grateful as a staff and as leaders. Um, and lots of you are already serving, and we are so grateful for your partnership. And, and I know that many of you serve outside of our church walls, which is awesome, and keep that up. But I also realize that we need to make some specific asks. Um, like, have you ever been around a family where they don't ask, like, um, you know, people start getting disappointed or mad at other people that are in the family because, well, they're not pitching in. But nobody had ever bothered to ask for help. You ever been around that environment before, um, yeah, that's not a, that's not real fun. Um, or if you've been, you know, in a family where parents expect the kids to just know what they're supposed to do without ever asking them, right? Anybody ever been in a family like that? Yeah, that is not a recipe for a healthy environment. And by the way, if you're doing that in your actual house, you might want to look at that. Just saying. Okay, so um, we don't want to be that kind of family. 
We don't want you to have to guess. So we created just some sign-ups back here um, for ways that there are, we could use your help for you to pitch in. Most of the things are once-a-month opportunities. Uh, some of them may, may be a little more than that. But, but if you see there's tables in here, there's five high-top tables in here. Um, we've got in this room the landscape team. Um, friends, we have a, a crew. It used to be two crews that would happen once a month, but now on the second and fourth Saturday, um, a very small crew of people are mostly coming for both, and those teams have dwindled a bit. We really need folks to even just sign up for one time a month on a Saturday morning where they'll come and serve with that team. Um, Chris and Michelle McCracken are leading that team, um, and so there's, there's room. There's lots of room to serve uh, on the landscape team. Uh, the coffee crew is over here. If you enjoy having coffee before service, Hey, we could use one or two more folks that just once a month would help with the coffee crew. It's really a part of hospitality. Um, there's a facility team back here, people that are handy that could maybe help us um, fix things around the church so we don't have to go find a contractor or pay somebody every time. That would be just amazing and really, really helpful. Uh, we have back here, Dalton is manning that table right there. That's our, there we go. That's our first impressions ministry, FIM. Right? Otherwise known as ushers and greeters. So if that FIM thing's confusing, it's ushers and greeters. These are the friendly folks that greet you when you come in and help people feel welcome, help people feel uh, like they belong here, help them find their way around. So that one is happening right over there. Um, there's another one there. The prayer team is where Aaron is at. We could use some folks that would join that prayer team just once a month. Out in the lobby, there's kids' ministry, there's children's ministry. We have tons of other areas as well. Um, but those are just a few where we could just use your help. We could just use your help. And so we thought, well, let's just ask. Let's just ask. Um, so those opportunities are there. And uh, when we dismiss in just a few minutes, I encourage you to stop by. I think lots of them have like chocolate bribes. Is that true? <laughs> I'm going to visit every table and discern where I need to volunteer and help. Yes. So, um, but there are. There are so many different ways to pitch in. Um, so when we're done in just a moment here, uh, just go talk to these leaders about the area. Most of it, you go, hey, can I try it out? And they'll be like, sure, you can try something out. You're not signing up and you're stuck with it forever. Uh, and there's training for all the ministries that we do. Uh, but we'd love for you to join the team that helps make Hope a great family. Um, Brandon, will you come? And as Brandon comes, how, how I wanna close is just to point us back to Jesus, to, to remind us of this Jesus, and to remind us, especially whenever we talk about serving, I like to just remind folks, hey, hey, listen, we follow Jesus and we serve out of love, not out of obligation or duty. Like our posture of serving is not because you should, not because you're being pressured to, not to, oh, you better earn it or prove something to someone or prove something to God. No, 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 no. No, that's not why we serve. That's not how we serve here. Because you are already a beloved son, a cherished daughter of your heavenly father. That's a done deal. There's nothing that you can do. There's no way that you can serve or be involved that's gonna somehow make God love you more. There's nothing that you could do that would cause God to love you any less. You are loved just as you are. And when we serve, we don't do it out of pressure we, we, we do it out of a heart of love, this posture that, that um, Jesus, you've loved us so well. And how can I just say yes and, and offer love back? 
not just to you, but then to the body, the family of God. So out of that kind of gratitude is how we serve. And so we just wanna sing together um, about, of our, about our love for Jesus. We wanna focus in on our love for Jesus as we wrap up. So will you stand and just sing with us?